number 16 tonight, and uh, you know, I, I usually just follow the Lord's leading, and uh, I had no idea when I began the series on the life of Joseph, and uh, then got into the book of Romans, that, we would, that I would be ending both of those series on the same Sunday. That's pretty amazing, 50 chapters in Genesis, of course, all of it doesn't deal with the life of Joseph. Um, but we covered quite a, a bit of uh, Joseph's life as we talked a little bit this morning in conclusion of his life. And then tonight we come to the last chapter in the book of Romans. And I, I love this book, uh, very rich in, in doctrine, very rich as we've entitled this last chapter 12 through uh, 16 as practical Christianity. And I hope that you keep that in mind because... You know, it's one thing, and I, I, I agree with this, it's one thing to know what we believe. We need to know the doctrines of the Word of God, what they teach, and, and really, it's the doctrine that really helps us to be grounded as Christians. But what good is doctrine, what good is it to know what we believe if we cannot practically live it out? The world needs to see real Christians. Uh, they need to see people who, who don't just have a a head knowledge, but they're actually living it out because it's in their hearts. And so we come to this last chapter tonight, and I've just simply entitled it, A Special Salute to All Saints, and we'll see that in the passage tonight. But when you come to the end of the book of Romans, of course, Paul here is uh, concluding it, and I mentioned this morning even that it's the way he does that is he gives a list of names, about 35 or so names. Of course, there are others that are mentioned just not by name, but many people, when you're reading your Bible, if you're like me or others, you come to these list of names and you see the list and you think to yourself, well, it's, it's just a list of names. It, there's really not a lot of value in this particular portion. Sometimes we come to the genealogies and other places in our Bible, and we, t we tend to want to just skip over it. But can I tell you that as you look at this chapter, if you study it, and uh, we won't go completely in depth, but I'll tell you this, the truth is that there, there is, it is far different. There is something of great value here if you take the time and look at some of these individuals, because the great apostle Paul, as he is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's making an effort to thank those who had made a difference in his life, who had impacted his ministry. I think about myself. Uh, I am where I am today because of so many people that have, that have really uh, helped me along the way. Uh, I think of uh, the, the couple pastors that I've had in my life, and I was saved under uh, uh, Ken DeBose, which we affectionately called him Preacher, and then for about three years, I was under the ministry of my pastor, uh, pastor Clarence Sexton in Tennessee, and of course my pastor now is Pastor Paul Chapel out in California. And listen, honestly, not only those, I think of my wife, I think of other Christians that have made an impact in my life, and I'm sure you could say the same thing. So many that have made a difference, and that's what Paul was doing. He was just making an effort here, and I love what it says if you look here in verse number 15, where in the end of the verse, he says this, he says, and all the saints which are with them. So clearly, he's sending out greetings, not just a few individuals, but to all those that have made a great difference in his life. And he doesn't want to leave anyone out. And, and he uses the word saint. Now, you know, early on in my life, being a part of a different religion, uh, I didn't really understand the biblical meaning of that word. Uh, many times you think of uh, how religions treat this word saint and they talk about canonizing people or, or elevating people because certain things they claim have happened. But the word saint in the Bible just means somebody that is a saved person. They've been saved by the grace of God. And because of that salvation, they've become a part of the family of God. That's what a saint is. So when you think about that, if you're here tonight and you're saved, and of course that makes you a part of the family of God, then according to God, not, not, not the world, you are a saint of God. Now, I know you don't think of yourself that way. I certainly don't think of myself. We don't refer to ourselves as Saint Joe or 
uh, St. Mickey or, or, or uh, you know, St. Carl, but that is how God views us. So he uses this word here, saint, when it comes, and by the way, not just here, but other places we find, especially in the New Testament, this word saint. Now, as he does, there's two words that, that kind of continue to be repeated throughout much of chapter 16. I don't know if you've noticed these words. The first word is the word greet. The second word is the word salute. How many of you have seen those words in this chapter? You see them over and over and over again. Now, what's interesting is when you look at those two words, those two words are actually, they, they're actually the same word. The word is espazomai, which is, uh, you see the translators using sometimes the word greet, sometimes the word salute. Here's what both words are really that one word, espazomai. It means to enfold in the arms or to embrace. Now, I was telling the group and the leader of the group, Brother Weaver, at lunch today, I said, I said, you know, the one thing about our church is, is that it's a very caring church. It's, it's, I tell people, it's a hugging church. And this whole COVID-19 and this social distancing thing has really thrown a curveball with many of our members because they come in and they want to they want to embrace someone they want to they want to they want to hug someone and like this morning I saw I mean, she may be listening now I saw Miss Martha and I, I wasn't walking towards her but she was kind of like sorry pastor you know almost like I can't hug you tonight and and I'll tell you I love to 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 embrace the saints of God or to enfold them in the arms and that that is what this word is now the reason for using the word greet sometimes and salute sometimes is because as you're going through here, there are times where in our English, remember that, that what we have is a translation of God's word from the Greek in the New Testament to the English, of course, our King James Bible. What we see is that from time to time, when you go from one language to another, it is which word actually fits in each situation. That's why you see the use of, of two of those words there but both of them convey the same sense it, it, it done in each particular instance. So as we get into this last chapter tonight, I want you and I to take a few minutes and look through this list of special people. Now to us, they may not mean anything. Uh, it's the old adage, you'd have to been there to actually experience it. But if you and I sat down, I guarantee you a lot of us, I don't know if we could come up with 35 like Paul did, it might be more, it may be less, but to you, those people are special. Uh, to me, there are people in my life that are very dear to me. And so I want to look at this list that God has allowed us to have as, as he has preserved his word to us. And I think about how to Paul, these people were special. I think the same could be said about you and me, that when the Lord saved us, God made us special. Uh, there's no one else like you. Uh, there's no one else like me, and we'll see that tonight. No one else in the family of God like us. And so as we look at these verses, let's think about this special salute to all the saints tonight. And Paul begins by talking about how that these saints are definite saints. These are uh, sure saints to him. They are special people. These are certain people. And and this may just be a list of names, but to Paul, this was a list of friends. Now, I hope you have some friends in life. Uh, life is very lonely without friends. And I think a lot of times we miss out on having those, those special times with special people in our lives. But Paul, as he is writing here from his heart, he was remembering these people and how special they were to him. And I love the fact when you see these names, I tell people all the time, when you're studying the Bible, you're talking about real people here. That these were as real as each one of us in the auditorium or those that are listening tonight. They were real people, and it's evident, as Paul writes here, that he loved them. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 John 3, verse 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He says, he that loveth not his brother abideth in death. The apostle Paul, listen, in his life, you remember his name was Saul. This was a man that wanted nothing to do with Christianity or Jesus. He was persecuting Christians, but when he got saved, his whole life changed. Remember, God 
saves us from the inside out. His heart was changed. And I love when you, when you study the writings of Paul, of course, God's words, you see it time and time again, how Paul mentions that they were his crown and his joy. Uh, these people were dear to him. In every one of his letters that he wrote, you find how much he loved them. And Jesus himself said, listen, that by this shall all men that you know, that they shall know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Listen, there's something wrong with somebody who calls himself a Christian but cannot love the brethren. You see, in our hearts, we need to realize God loved us while we were yet sinners. He died for us. And there's no one, especially a Christian, that we should not love the way that he loved us. And so these were definite saints that I want you to look at. And Paul gives some reasons why he took the time. And notice the first reason was because these definite saints were an object of his special conversations. Now think about that. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 in verse number 9, God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. You ever thought about your conversations with God? How you can come boldly to God in prayer. You can bring your petitions. And of course, that we mentioned some earlier and some this morning. Those that we pray for, those that we care about. Hey, listen, when Paul is, is, is sharing this in verse chapter number 16, these people were in his heart. And, and we know that they were in his heart. Why? Because he showed that by praying for them. You know, it means a lot to me, and I'm sure it does to you. When people walk up to me and say, Pastor, I just want you to know I've been praying for you. I'll tell you, that, that'll lift your spirits, especially when you're going through a difficult time. Uh, we've been praying for Becky's grandpa and, and been praying that God's grace would be there. Hey, listen, I know that means a lot to Becky, that we're praying for her grandpa, that we're, that we're thinking. And Paul says, look, this is one way that I can show you how much I love you, how much you mean to me, because... I am having special conversation with the one that can do something about it. And this is what Paul says. He says, you're an object of my special conversations. See, when we pray for people, what we're really doing is we're entering into their lives. We're entering into some of the burdens that they're, 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 they're carrying themselves. Paul wrote to those in Galatia chapter 6 and verse 2. He says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Paul says, look, he says, I, 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 just, I want you to understand that you're an object of my special conversations. He says, I'm praying for you. But notice another thing about Paul is he gives another reason. is because these dear folks were an object of his special concern. You think about how concerned he was. The Bible tells us over in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 28, he said, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. I could say the same thing as a pastor here at, at Bible Baptist Church. Is Listen, there are things oftentimes without the church. But Paul says, you know, the one thing that, that every day that I carry, and not in a negative way, is... I'm, I'm always thinking about my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm thinking about those that are a part of this family known as Bible Baptist Church. And Paul says here, he says, look, I, I have a burden for the church. And, and the word there in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. notice he mentions the care of all the churches. The, the word care, here's what it means. It means to be pulled apart. It means to experience anxiety. Paul was writing here in chapter 16 of Romans, and, and as he was writing, he basically was, was showing how much he loved these people and how he felt their burdens, how he knew what they were going through, the needs that they had in their lives. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, in verse 26, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all members rejoice with it. You see, when somebody here at our church goes through something, we go through it with them. Paul says, that's my 
care for these people that, that I, I consider to be definite saints. He was, as he was writing here, he, he was saying, look, I'm with you. I understand your burdens. I feel that. I think all of us can relate to this as we have been the last couple months going through this whole COVID-19 pandemic. Oftentimes I see that hashtag that says, in this together. We're in this together, folks. And as a church, we are in this together. Paul says, look, I'm with you. If each of us would do our part in just doing what Paul was doing, and that is loving the church, and if we would do our part in helping to care and to bear the burdens of those that are a part of this group, then guess what happens is, is that the burden, all of it will not rest on the shoulders of just a few. I love the fact, and I hear it often from, from people as I'm having conversation, whether in person or on the phone, or it might be through a text or an email, but uh, one, of, one of our members, or maybe even somebody that visits our church will say, well, so-and-so called me. So-and-so came by. I've had people say that some of our members have taken meals to someone. And I think to myself, that's awesome. I didn't tell them to do that. I didn't say, hey, listen, by power of suggestion, would you consider this? They just, God put that on their heart. Why? Because they understand the burdens that people have. They understand uh, some of the needs that people have. And the Bible, again, says when one member suffers, all members suffer with it. We all need to do our part to help shoulder the burden, not just a few people. And Paul was speaking to a group of people here that, listen, they were not just in the family of God. This was a group of people that actually were in Paul's heart. They were very dear to him. And I'm sure tonight you have some people that you can say are definite saints in my life. They're people that, that I pray for, and they are people that I'm concerned about. And that's what Paul is writing about here. Notice they were definite saints, but they were also diverse saints. Now you think about this diversity. I love our church for many, many ways, but one thing I love about our church is the diversity of our church. These people in Romans chapter number 16, they were people that were of every variety. They were all different. As Paul was writing to them, he was writing to men and women. He was writing to Jews and Romans and Greek. He was writing to rich and he was writing to poor. These people were all so different. He's writing here, if you look through the text, he was writing to households, and he was also writing to churches. And when I think about Paul writing here, my heart was just flooded with the thoughts of how thankful I am for the diversity when it comes to the body of Christ, the church, and how different we are, but yet we'll see how what brings us together. But there were some ways that this group in Romans chapter number 16 were diverse that Paul was writing to. Notice, first of all, how they were diverse in their humanity. They were diverse in their humanity. Paul, as he's writing here, you can almost see through his writings how he's visualizing each one of these one by one. Some, some of you that are still watching our services live stream, I don't mean this in a quirky or weird kind of way, but because you're not here, I, I visualize you. Uh, I, I think about you often. I think about sometimes I picture you where you would sit if you were here. And even though you're not here, I know that you're here in spirit. And of course, you're here in truth. And it's a wonderful thing to see some of our folks coming back. And I look forward to that day. But Paul was writing to people that were different. And these were precious people to him. And, and in his heart, what he wanted to do, which is what I wanted to do, he wanted to greet each one of them personally. Remember the word salute? To, to kind of embrace, uh, to hug on them. Paul wanted to do this personally. And notice in verse number 16 again, he says to them, I salute one another, how about this, with an holy kiss. Now, I saw those words there. You know, back in Bible days, that was the no doubt the accepted method of greeting in those days. Even some countries today do practice that, but I'm certainly thankful today that our method of greeting oftentimes is a 
handshake or a hug instead of kissing one another. But nonetheless, this is, this is what they used to do. And of course, you know, with all the changes and the new norm for a while, uh, we won't even really be, be saluting or hugging one another. But Paul wanted to be there. Paul wanted to greet each one of them individually. And as our folks uh, every Sunday walk in the doors, I, I think to myself, yes, there he is, there she is. I, I love greeting them. And Paul says, look, I want to salute one another uh, with a holy kiss. I want to show you how much I care about you. And even though Paul could not be there with them, Paul did what, what was the next best thing. And the next best thing God allowed him to do was to just mention them by name. Some by name, some Maybe not their names are not here, but Paul just says a word. Now he says some things about some, others he just mentions them by name. But nonetheless, that's what he does. And I want you to look here, as we look at these uh, verses here in Romans chapter number 16, look at, look at verse number 1, and I may not read every word here in every one of these sentences, but notice in verse number 1, he says, I commend unto you Phoebe, he says, our sister. He mentions she's a servant of the church, which is at Centuria. He says, receive her in the Lord, as become a saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. He says, for she hath been a succour. That word means that she has cared for people. She has assisted people. And he says, listen, I, I want you to think about how she's taken care of many and of myself also. So he mentions Phoebe. And that notice he says, greet Priscilla and Aquila. He says, they've been my helpers in Christ Jesus. He says, they've laid down their own necks. And he says, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. In verse number five, he says, greet the church. Notice he doesn't mention the names, but the church that's in their house. They've been holding services. They've been, they've been worshiping the Lord in their house. And he says, I want you to greet them. He says, salute my well-beloved, notice this, Epaphitanos, who is the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. He says, greet Mary, who bestowed much labor, much hard work on us. Then he says, salute Andronicus and Unia. He says, my kinsmen, these, these kinsmen were fellow countrymen uh, of the Apostle Paul. He says, my fellow prisoners, he's, and the word there, fellow prisoner, means that they were co-captives. When Paul was maybe being held, they were also prisoners along with him. He says there in verse number eight, he says, greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Verse nine, salute Urbane. He says, our helper, co-laborer in Christ. And then notice this uh, name here, Stachus, my beloved, Paul mentions by name. Salute Ampelos, he says, who is approved in Christ. He says, uh, salute them which are of Aristobulus' uh, household. He mentions a whole house there, Aristobulus' house. He says, salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that are of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Salute Tryphenia. And Tryphosa, who labor, many believe that these were twin sisters. And, of course, I don't have a lot to validate that. But notice the names there. Uh, some parents had a great time with those two names there for those sisters. Uh, salute the beloved. Notice Persis is beloved, who labored much in the Lord for Paul. He says, salute Rufus, who was chosen in the Lord. Notice, and his mother and mine, he mentions. Salute uh, Asutin, uh, uh Greektos, uh, boy, some of these names. He says Phlegon and Hermas, Patrobas, Hermes, and the brethren which are with me. Salute, he says here, uh, Philiagalos and uh, Julia or Julia, many times people say. And notice here, he says uh, Narus and his sister and Olympos, and all the saints are with them. And then drop down to verse 21. He mentions a familiar name here, Timotheus, who was his f work fellow, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sospater, my kinsmen, salute you. And then he says, I, Tertullus, notice here, who wrote this epistle. Many believe 
that Tertuas was actually Paul's scribe, that Paul, as he dictated this, that this was the man, Tertuas, that actually wrote the words that we are studying and reading tonight. And then notice Gaius, he says, mine host of the whole church salutes you, Erastus, the chamberlain. The word chamberlain means to be a manager or treasurer uh, of the entire city. He says, saluteth you. And the last one he mentions there is Quartus, a brother. And so notice these names. Of course, aren't you glad you don't have to memorize them or spell them or even like pastor say them. But nonetheless, like I said, don't feel like, well, you know, it's just a bunch of names. Each one of these, I want you to think, are very dear. They're special to Paul. And just like Paul is allowed to write here, I guarantee you that you could have a list of people. And if you think about those people that are diverse in your life, you think about how different they are. And, and in your life, you think about how they're different in their humanity. And as Paul is writing here, he is, he is talking about the individuality that each one of them have. He mentions them, the diversity, and it marked this church. And when I think about not only this church that Paul is writing to, but those in our church, these people were as different as they could possibly be. But I'll tell you this, they were brought together by the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were brought together into one family, the family of God. And we have those differences in our church, but just like those that Paul was writing to, what brings us together is the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of us have become a family here at Bible Baptist Church. And so when I think about as Paul was writing and how he was visualizing each one of these and he was thinking about each one of these, certainly when God made us, I'll tell you this, God threw the mold away. There's only one Carl. There's only one Guslet. There's only one Brother Munoz. God made us, and when he made us, he made us special. God made us unique, and that is what we need to understand is that as God makes us, he makes us with a purpose in mind. We talk often about God's plan for our lives, God's will for our lives. We saw young people stand here this morning and talk about how God began to work. That young lady, that her parents are missionaries in Laos, that, that as she grew up in the Philippines and then her family moved to do the will of God in Laos, and here she is in California studying and planning for whatever God would have for her life, and she's excited about it. You see, God has something purpose in our lives. And don't be ashamed when you think about who you are in the Lord. God can and God will use your life if you and I are surrendered to the Lord. And when I think of these people and how Paul writes about how that they were his co-laborers, they were his co-prisoners, they were, they were together with him in his bonds and they were such a help to him. That's what Paul's saying is, he says, even in our diversity, as different as we all were, we were all together, brought together by Christ. And so they were diverse in their humanity and they were diverse in their heritage. As Paul was writing to them, he's greeting them and he's greeting people that are Jews. He's greeting people that are Greeks, people that are Romans, people that are Persians. Uh, they were different in their heritage. These people come from all kinds of racial and social backgrounds. But in Christ, these people come from various backgrounds, but they're all brought together into one. Look at the Bible says in Galatians 3 and verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. We're all one. Ephesians 2.14, I love this whole chapter in Ephesians 2, but the Bible says, for he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Remember how in the Old Testament times, how you the, the, that some were allowed to come nigh, and others had to stay away, and how that there was a, a separation, the veil separated, and how that Jesus, when he died on the cross, that the veil was rent in twain, and now all have access that it's not just one particular people that are privileged, 
but that Jesus Christ came for the souls of men and women, that God so loved the world. And the Bible says here that even though we are diverse in our heritage, that when you think about how that we come from various backgrounds, but we are all made one in Christ Jesus. Hey, I want to tell you tonight, with all that's going on in the world right now, and you've seen this on mainstream media for the past week or weeks, think about this, this biblical concept of all being made one in Christ Jesus would completely eliminate all racial tension. If everybody would just get a hold of that one fact there, that Jesus knows that there is but one race on this earth, and it's called the human race. Uh, when God looks at us, listen, God loves everyone. doesn't matter the color of their skin. We need to understand that we are all brought together in Jesus Christ. And if we can learn to love one another because God loves us, you know what that would do? It would transform this world that we live in. And that is what the world needs to hear is the love of Christ. So in Jesus, just like Ephesians chapter 2, all barriers are broken down and we see here again, yes, there might be diversity in our humanity, there might be diversity in our heritage, but we see that we are all together in Christ Jesus. So Paul's writing here to these people that are definite saints to him. They are very special people. And he says, not only are they definite, they are very diverse. And then notice the last thing that he mentions here is how that they are dedicated saints. I love people that have a dedication to God. And this is what we see here. These are people, as Paul was writing, that are devoted people. They're devoted to the task that God has given to them. They are loyal people. They are committed to the cause of Christ. And as I read this, this group of people here, one thing that I sensed, even though it wasn't mentioned about each one of them, was these were people that were busy in the things of God. I think it was a great example for us. And as he, he begins to close this letter to those in Rome, it really helps us tonight to understand how God wants us to be busy doing the work of God. God's left us here with, with a purpose, with a commission, and these people were allowing the Lord to use them. And as they were being used of God, they were being used for God's honor and for God's glory. They were busy. And as I think about their busyness in the things of God, we too need to make sure that we are dedicated to the Lord, that we are staying busy in the things of God. And we can see it in their example tonight in three ways. Notice one, that they were dedicated as seen in their service. There were, there were different kinds of service that was mentioned here. If you look back in verse number three, how the Bible talks about that Priscilla and Aquila, that they were his helpers, they were workers. In verse number 21, it mentions Timotheus was his work fellow. These people were the workers that were mentioned here. In verse number six, look at what it says here about how that Mary bestowed much labor. She was working hard for the apostle Paul. Oftentimes you see the word toil in the Bible. It gives the idea of when a mother gives birth to a child, how they toil. The Bible talks about how that the man would toil by the sweat of his brow and and this is what he says here. These were people that were serving God. They were workers. They were toilers. In verse number 22 about Tertullus, he, the Bible says, who wrote this epistle, they were the ones that were writing the words of God. Notice also in verse number 23, where the Bible says here, uh, he says of Gaius, he says, and of the whole church saluteth us, how Erastus the chamberlain uh, of, of the city there that he was managing, that he was actually, as they were giving to God, people were giving to the work there. And then notice he says here, uh, those that were, that were uh, administrating the things of God, these people, as, as we just look at some of these examples, they all served in various capacities. There's so much to do when it comes to the church. I think about all the work that goes into having services here. I, sometimes I almost wish we could set up a camera from Monday to Saturday and just show everybody all the things that happen. And listen, there's a lot of things that happen when it comes to the church that don't take place in the building. Many things take place outside the building. But there is much work that needs to be done. And, and, and it, oftentimes it is seen in the, the various capacities that we serve. Somebody said, we cannot do everything, but we can all do something. 
And what you have to say is, what is that something that I can do, that I can be a part of, that I can do my part? Why? Because the Lord has specifically gifted each one of us to do something when it comes to His work. 1 Corinthians 12, look at verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Verse 11, but all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. In other words, can I say to you tonight, as a child of God, as a saint, what each one of us need to do is we need to find our area of giftedness. God, what is it that you, by your Spirit, have gifted to me so that I can use that gift for God's honor and God's glory, to do the work of God? And the Bible tells us that as we look in Matthew 5, verse 16, that we need to let our light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And as they see what we're doing for God and they see how that we are serving the Lord, the Bible says that it will glorify our Father, which is in heaven. I want my life, and I hope you do too, that as I serve God, listen, you'll never be disappointed. Sometimes I'll do something and somebody will say, well, you, you did this for so-and-so, and they, they, they don't even come here. Uh, they, they, don't, they haven't been back in a long time. Listen, I never get disappointed. Here's why. Because everything I do, I do for the Lord. See, when you're doing it for the Lord, you're never going to be disappointed when somebody doesn't respond or do what you, what you think they should do. Listen, I don't do it for men. I don't do it for others. Now, certainly, I want to do it for, for people because I want their lives to be blessed. I want, I want to make a difference in their life like so many of these made a difference in Paul's life. But what we need to understand is as we serve the Lord, we are doing it for the Lord. But I thank God for every faithful Christian worker that we have in this church. I remember when I first came here about, about I guess it's been about maybe five years ago after I'd been here for a while and we, we got talking about our first vacation Bible school after I came and I remember how many of our church members signed up and said, Pastor, I, I want to be a part of vacation Bible school. I think that's the one element that I'm going to miss the most this year when we do this virtual VBS is that we won't be able to get all of our workforce, all of our church members to be as involved as they usually do every year. And certainly I'm going to miss that aspect almost as much as I'm going to miss not having the boys and girls here and letting them enjoy the, the things that we're going to study and learn about God. But listen, when Paul's writing here, he's talking about dedicated people, people like those in our church. When I think about the dedication of, the, of those in our church, I know that that dedication is seen in our service, but notice another way that their dedication was seen. It was seen in their sacrifice. A good example of that, look back in verse number four, what he writes here. He says about Priscilla and Aquila, he says that they, notice, who have for my life laid down their own necks. I mean, here's a couple that honestly had the spirit that Look, we want to do everything we can to help this man of God. And, and I think how many people today, listen, honestly, I wonder how much that spirit is alive in most churches today. I think we see far too little of that in the modern church. Where are those servants of the Lord uh, who know that anything of value is going to come at a great cost? Anything we do for the Lord, but can I tell you, it's always worth it. It's always worth it to serve God. Where are those who will place God at the forefront of everything in their lives? I, th I think to myself, may God help us, even right here in our church, to raise up some believers who would pay whatever price is necessary to see the Lord bless in our church and to see God move in mighty power right here among us. Listen, I want to see that. And oftentimes, it's going to come as a result of a sacrifice that we might make. And I think to myself, listen, we can see it oftentimes in our service, but is it being seen in our sacrifice? And notice as Paul's writing here, he also says another way that their dedication was seen was in their steadfastness. He mentions this in verse number 10. Look at this uh, individual known by Apollos. He uses this phrase about Apollos, approved in Christ. See the word there? 
approved. Uh, he says that he was approved. It's a word that oftentimes they would use to verify the authenticity of coins. Uh, many times they would set up, even in the temple, remember how Jesus drove the money changers from the temple? Uh, and, and a lot of times what they would do, we would see uh, maybe illustrations of, of weights and balances, a scale. And what they would do is they would put a weight on this side, and oftentimes they would put coins on this side, and they would try to prove the authenticity because they would make some of these coins out of different types of metals or different types of materials to try to make them look like the real thing. And this word that he uses here, approve, means that, that it was something to prove the authenticity, that it was a real coin. Well, he mentions this not about coins, but about an individual. And when he says that he is approved unto Christ, what is he saying? He's saying that this individual, Apollos, has actually stood the test, and he did not waver. I think about this, so many people, how that, listen, in Paul's day, these were people that, as he was writing, they were a part of a crowd that in their day, they were serving Jesus under the most difficult circumstances imaginable. We live in America. Whether you realize it or not, we're very blessed. I don't know if it's always going to be that way. But you know that we really don't know a lot about persecution. Not like some people in the world. Not like some because they're found to be a believer in Jesus Christ that their life is taken or maybe a limb of their body or maybe something else happens to them. But Paul is writing here and He's talking about people that know what it's like to live under the most difficult circumstances. They lived in a time when a, a Christian could lose their life if they, if they stood for the Lord. But here's the, here's the great thing. Like he says about Apollos, they still stood. Even though it could cost them greatly, they stood the test. They were approved. And I think about our lives. What does this say about our attitude towards uh, all the things of God? What does it say about us when many times just the least little thing comes into our lives and it seems to blow us off course? Steadfast. Just staying the course. You know, God needs to help us, and he wants to, to settle in our hearts. That no matter what happens, no matter what comes our way, that we are going to stay and stand. Just like the song Brother Kenny led us in tonight, stand up, stand up for Jesus. Hey, anybody can be hidden in a crowd. Where's the Christian that'll stand up for the Lord? Paul's writing about people here in Romans 16. You know, the reason they were so dear to him was because they were people that had stayed steadfast during very difficult times. He says, and I've seen it, how they've served God even when it wasn't easy to serve God. And I've seen it when they've made great sacrifices. And he said, I've seen it in their steadfastness, how they're still here. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If we're doing what we're doing for the Lord, hey, listen, it is worth it. There's not a greater cause to live for than to, than to do the will of God. I'll tell you, when I think about even Joseph's life and what we've been looking at on Sunday mornings, I really believe that God is looking for those that he can put to the test before the world that is watching them. Now, listen, I don't think any of us would wake up tomorrow and say, okay, Lord, give me your best shot. But I do think that God will try our faith. He will test us. And he'll test us before a, a world that is watching to see what we're going to do. When the tests come along and, and when we have come through that test. In other words, that we have been steadfast, that we have sacrificed, that we have served God in spite of that test when we come through it, that he can place our lives, uh, upon our lives, his divine stamp of approval, that God, his hand of blessing will be upon our lives. Hey, listen, 
Can you imagine what it would have been like to spend some time with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego after they came out of the burning, fiery furnace? I mean, certainly a lot of people, if, if they lived today, they'd probably have movie star status. But I'll tell you this, everywhere they went, they were a testimony of God's grace in their life, how God had been there with them. They, they were approved unto God. God's blessing was upon their life. And do you want God's approval in your life? Do you want God's blessing? Certainly these people here in chapter 16, they may not mean a whole lot to us. But if you stop and think about your Bible tonight and all the people that are mentioned here, all these people, 35 by name, God chose to include their name. That tells me they weren't only special to Paul, they were special to God. And I think the same is true of you and I tonight. That although we may not think that of ourselves, every one of us is special to God. And we should want our lives to be approved of God, that we should want God's blessing on our lives. So when we come to the end of the book of Romans, and Paul's writing this letter to the saints, I think Paul's words, hopefully to you, I know they were to me, they were an encouragement. When I think about what Paul is writing here, and I think about how encouraged, but it also challenges me, that I want to make sure that I keep serving God, that I keep sacrificing for the Lord, and that I stay steadfast. I want that to be seen of my life, of our church. And so as we look at this great book in our Bible, I just want you to understand, I said this earlier in the beginning, is we need to every day in our lives, what we believe, we need to practically be living that out every last day of our lives. I do think it's a great way to end the book, though, because I know it's a blessing to remember those that have made so much. How many of you have thought of someone tonight that has made a difference in your life along the way? You know, and, and some of you may have thought of some people that you haven't thought about for a long time. I went, we went back to uh, Missouri a, a couple weeks ago to, for my father-in-law's birthday, and, and while we were there, we ended up, uh, we had the opportunity to do some work to his house, try to help him to where he can, he can uh, navigate through his house without having to go up and down stairs. And, you know, I haven't seen my, my pastor, I mentioned earlier we called him preacher, I haven't seen him for quite some time because I don't get up to Missouri, and even when I do, I go up to see my, my mom, and, and oftentimes I don't get a chance to go around and visit other people. And I picked up the phone, and I, and I called him, and, I, and I, just, I wanted to ask him a few questions, and some of my questions were about what we were going to try to do to my father-in-law's house. And, and I was talking to him, I said, yeah, I said, we're, we're going to try to, we're gonna try to haul some stuff to, to the dump and haul some stuff to the Goodwill and so on. And I said, I, uh, you know, I, I need to find somebody that has a truck. And he's, he says, well, I got a truck. And I said, you do? And he goes, yeah. He says, you want to borrow it? He says, my wife has sidelined me, he said. He's in his 80s. And honestly, he shouldn't be doing half the stuff that he's doing. But he says, it's just sitting on my driveway. He said, matter of fact, you can come get it and use it all you want. And I said, okay. And he said, he said oh, he says, it's a beautiful truck. He says, it's a Silverado. And I said, Wow. I got over there, he didn't tell me it was a bright red Silverado. Beautiful truck. So I get over there and I was telling him what I was doing and, and I said, yeah, and I said, hey preacher, you have any tools? And he says, what if matter of fact I do? We went in his garage and I started rummaging through his tools and I took some things with me, but I certainly didn't have all the tools that I needed to do everything over at, over at my father-in-law's. And before long, I, I'm loading tools up in his truck. It, like, it was just like we had seen each other the day before. He's a special man in my life. I looked at him, and of course, his hair's all gray now. He's not getting around the way he used to. But you know, often I'll just text him or something and say, I love you, preacher. You know why? Because he's special. When I take a look at this list of people here in chapter 16, I think about what Paul wrote to those in Philippi. Notice, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. You know, you think about people that are special in your life. You know what you and I should do? We should salute them, greet them, just like Paul was doing in Romans 16. 
Well, how can you do that? Well, maybe you just need to write them a letter. Just write them a letter and tell them how much you're thankful for them and the contributions that they made in your life. Maybe you can pick up a phone. Give them a call. Just say, hey, listen, I was thinking about you. You don't have to say the preacher preached a message about it or the preacher told you to do this. <laughs> Only do it if the Lord puts it on your heart. Or it may just be that you just need to get up after the service tonight and walk across the auditorium and thank somebody that's meant a lot to you. Listen, when I think about these people, I think of how important it is that we understand that God brings people into our lives and they're very special to us. And as he finishes this letter, I want you to look there in your Bible in verse 25 because I cannot end tonight without reading these couple verses. Look what the Bible says as we conclude the book of Romans. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scripture, scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever and all God's people said amen what a wonderful thing God has given to us and that is his word and we take a look at a list of names tonight that may not mean a lot to us but they certainly meant something to Paul let's bow our heads tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight and I wonder tonight many of you raised your hand maybe there's someone tonight that God's put on your heart maybe you might just need to ask the Lord tonight Lord, is there someone that I haven't thought about? For me, it was even good to see the Weavers this morning. They're dear, special people to us. We love them. We took them to lunch today and we talked to them, dear friends. It's a wonderful thing when people make contributions in our lives. But let me turn that coin the other way. Are you making a contribution to someone else's life? And maybe your prayer tonight could be something like this. Lord, I want to be used by you to make a difference in someone else's life. And stop and think about this. These people that made a difference in Paul's life, you really wonder if they had, had all understanding of how great this man known as Paul was or was going to be for the Lord. See, we never know whose life we're impacting. But I know I want to be used by the Lord to help someone else to be all that God wants them to be. Lord, I thank you for this evening. I pray that you would help us as we finish this study in the book of Romans to want to make a difference in people's lives, not for ourselves, but for your honor and glory. I hope that our hearts tonight were flooded with thoughts of others that have meant so much to us. And I love the fact that these people that we read tonight were such different in their background. But God, you used them. They were dedicated to the work that they were given by you. And I pray that you'd help us to have that same dedication. I thank God for all those here in our church that have made a difference and will in the days ahead. In Christ's name we pray. Would you stand with